Welcome to the Good Start Podcast. I'm Barney Nelson with another amazing story of how blockchain is being used to change people's lives. How do you use blockchain or DLT to make a difference to refugees' lives? Imagine you're a refugee arriving in a new country with no identity and separated from your family. You don't exist officially and so you've no way of reaching out to your loved ones. You can't even get a SIM card without paying over the odds and without furnishing identity documents that you don't even have. Surveys say that connectivity is now one of the biggest concerns for refugees in the world. But what can you do about it when you have no real starting point? Bangladesh has seen this happen to millions of people over the last few years, as Rohingya refugees have flooded in their millions into one of the many camps across the country, focusing on Cox's Bazaar. One company, W3 Engineers, has been looking to use blockchain as a foundation layer to help connect refugees across Cox's Bazaar and across the country without necessarily needing a telephone network helping them to connect to the outside world just simply by networking their phones more closely together. In doing that, they've managed to address the connectivity point that's so pressing for so many refugees. So it's a pleasure today to have Aisha and Rekhavul here from W3 Engineers in Bangladesh to talk us through the mobile connectivity project that they've been championing for years now. Where and when did the idea for the mobile um, connectivity come in? Well, to be honest, the, as soon as we started a company, we found the internet was so expensive. That was the first key thing we, we, we got hit. And then we, we were paying a lot of money buying internet, but still we were struggling to communicate back in our partner companies in Canada and also other part of the world. The half of the office has to stop working because the conversation was going online and it's very bandwidth consumption, you know, intense. So to solve our own problem back in 2012, we started, you know, this, this concept of creating off-grid application that works peer-to-peer without inter- interrupting the internet. So within the office, communication can go smoothly. And at the same time, the call could still go on. And afterwards, when you saw the Rohingya refugees are coming to the country, we, we, we felt, you know, wait a second, we, we have a very bigger problem to be solved. These people fleeing from Myanmar in fear of a genocide and a lot of their people get getting killed every day and they do not have an identity and, and we, we should be doing something for them. We should be able to connect with them. So then we, we sat with our team and, and you know, re-engineered this, uh, this product and solutions and then we're still working on it. So essentially you had the, you had the beginnings of the technology before the Rohingya crisis and that was just a, a convenient moment, if you like, or a happy accident that you were able to apply the technology to the situation at hand. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's what I, we felt like. The problem started out from our own house and then it is spread. We, we found, you know, there are more than 6 billion people in the planet. We, we, that, that stat we researched online from different organizations like UNHCR, we found it's shocking a record, like 6 billion people across the world, non, not connected and unbanked. Mm. And out of which 25 million more than that is refugee or displaced. So those shocking records literally giving us an idea that we got to be doing something and then create a prototype for for piloting and and helping those people. What was the situation as you found it? As you said, Cox's Bazaar is is a major center for Rohingya refugees. 
What was the problem as you found it when you were there in terms of the, the connectivity problem? That whole problem is that disconnected problem. The family is disconnected. They don't have any kind of information for the country or they're not getting any skill for learning or education. And you know what? They don't have a legit way to buy a SIM card also. So the connectivity or communication is a big problem over there. So they're missing their family members back home and has no idea with which camp. So they, they're like 10 to 15 camps spread across Cox's Bazaar uh, district. And somebody doesn't know where their brothers are. Somebody doesn't know where their parents are. And then no ways to contact. So you have refugees arriving into the number of camps with no identity, first of all, no idea where their family members are, and ultimately no way of connecting to any any kind of networks because of the fact that they can't get a SIM card because they have no ID. So fairly uh, helpless situation, I guess. And then where, where did you get to for the answer for that? We had to make one kind of solution where everybody should be connected with each other. No single point of failure should be allowed or no shutdown, no internet connectivity or no internet there should be one marketplace with a real new economy where everybody should be connected to each other so for that we pitched uh, unicef innovation fund we uh, we designed this product called telemesh and that's essentially a platform allows peer-to-peer communication without what aisha was explaining without the existing telephone infrastructure or a traditional Wi-Fi or internet connectivity. Uh, instead of using a mobile phone network, you have the, the phones essentially connect to each other in the same style, if you like, as a, as a fire chat or one of the um, kind of established mechanisms. But you guys go beyond that, right? You've taken, you've taken yeah. kind of that base technology and, and run far ahead. Right. I, I'm glad that you've raised the question about fire chat. So that they, those are the traditional application that works differently as opposed to us working in, in this space. Uh, as we have uh, discovered the problem from an in-house, we the first thing we discovered was the incentivization. People doesn't want their phone to be used by others or the, the, they don't want to be known in the connections until they get a reward. So for a refugee crisis, we figured out, okay, these people doesn't have the identity. So we created an identity layer by the use of Ethereum blockchain. And as soon as somebody joins in the network, they get assigned an Ethereum wallet address. Plus, the connectivity comes on top of that in an application layer where peer-to-peer transaction happens or the communication happens using you know, Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi Direct, and as, as well as the, the data buying and selling mechanism is inbuilt within that. So anybody could buy data from other sellers within the network in a very affordable way. And in a traditional system where, you know, if I buy a data from a cell operator or phone operator, they they give you like 10 gigabyte for a month. And if I don't use the whole thing, the half of that is wasted. So with this technology, it's no longer be the case. The refugee is still expending money on buying airtime or sometimes communicating with their parents. And as the, the SIM card, what they buy is in the off market. And they sometimes pay like double, you know, triple than the actual cost, or sometimes they, they do not have the internet connection because of the hilly mountain area they live mostly. But with this peer-to-peer communication system, it should be pretty much, you know, cover the whole space. And then the, the system we build is it goes from one person to another person to another person until it, it finds a destination it, it travels 
through that. Yeah. So you move from a situation where the helpless situation where you have refugees coming in with no identity, no means of connecting to the world, to a new situation where the the there's no need for it. They have a baseline identity based on the Ethereum ID, and they can connect to all the phones around them, and then potentially even buy in data to be able to connect to the outside world as well. Right. Absolutely right. So it's a huge transformation, really, and all of that without necessarily having to have identity papers or, as you said, necessarily spending an awful lot of money paying over the odds for a SIM card. Yes. So you've been building the solution for a number of years. Where does where does the actual blockchain DLT piece come in then as a, as a tool that you've used? We have been even building before this blockchain hype came in the world. Uh, one of our hackathon in the office, we discovered we've got to be doing something for solving out this ID problem. And then few alternatives are there. Uh, we could use the IMEI number as well as uh, in conjunction with the phone number. And then we figured out, okay, if we are tying up with the phones, phone numbers, then it's, it's, we are tying up with assuming the person has a SIM card and assuming the person has a valid ID. So that is actually ambiguous and contradictory to each other. So then we, we found, okay, it makes sense. If, because Ethereum allows us to do the ID generation even without even being connected with the central system because it's a decentralized system, we, we figured out, okay, this is the best way for us to go forward. And the blockchain picture is A, is ID generation, and B, is keeping the record of how much data who owns. And also, we have a plan of creating a marketplace where basically the P2P transaction will take place. So new economic system, as well as the identity generation was badly needed for us to solve this problem. So without a blockchain solution, we had a almost like a dead end to, to, to run this project successfully. Mm. And I think it's fascinating that you were actually trying before blockchain came along, but as you said, that you were hitting this wall around the identity piece that, that the Ethereum ID is, is so kind of conveniently resolved. And how are you actually managing the, the buying and selling of the data, the marketplace element? It's a phone app where you could take a picture, you post it there, and the transaction will get recorded in IPFS. The, the assets and everything will store, still be used in the blockchain. It's not going to be any single point of you know, you know, central server or something. The token which the person comes with the application can be used to buy and sell those items in the marketplace. It's going to be completely peer-to-peer. And there will be a central, uh, we, we will have a number of servers, basically, to settle down the payments in, the, in, the, in, a, in a network. So, for example, the Ethereum node will not be running in the phone. So, there needs to be a, a server. So, we chose Amazon Cloud to host those nodes and settle down the payments as soon as the transaction finishes in a secure way. So you're using uh, uh, Ethereum uh, tokens to be able to uh, support a marketplace for buying and selling data so refugees can effectively transact in, in those tokens, buying and selling. But presumably, they can also start to use those tokens as, as essentially de facto currency within the camp for payment for other services as well. Correct. Because it's an ERC-20 token, that's pretty standard set by the community. So they could pretty much be able to do it with the marketplace and people will be accepted because it's the ERC-20. So yes, to answer your question. So they could pay for whatever, for teaching, for uh, childcare, for other things in, in terms of real world services, if you like. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm Barney Nilsson. I hope you're enjoying this Good Start podcast. 
So far, we've heard about the big picture and the reasons why blockchain was a necessary part of the solution. And we're going to go on now to hear about the practicalities of using blockchain and using the solution in the real world. Before we do, though, one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast is to make sure that you have a chance to get involved. So please do reach out if you'd like to get in touch or involved in any way. Look us up on thevalueexchange.co slash goodstart or friend us on Facebook or LinkedIn. Thanks and back to the podcast. And what about the NGOs side? So um, we've talked a lot about the, the the benefit to the actual, to the refugee. NGOs seem to be very interested in this as well, I think, in terms of the, the management of the camp and information destination. Is that right? Absolutely. I'm glad that you asked this question. And then uh, we spoke to a number of NGOs. And uh, what we found, they still struggle to distribute information from you know one location to another location. Their headquarters miss sometimes misses you know, the survey report, like, for example, vaccination report, the announcement they want to do in the camp. If there is an emergency, how they will reach them. So we're creating a dashboard for the you know, NGOs so that they could send a broadcast message to all the refugees you know, with the smartphones. And so how is that experience going in terms of what the, what the NGOs are looking for and, and, and how they're building out? What experiences are you picking up as you go in terms of specific kind of case requirements that they have? The mostly the, the first thing we are prioritizing is the item they do regularly and inefficiently. So we found the announcement they make, they use a traditional mic to announce it. And as you know, the mic cannot reach every corner of the camp, or if there are like a multiple camps, they cannot reach them at the same time. So we took that into account and creating the broadcasting solution. That dashboard essentially helps them to broadcast messages they want to send at the same time. So, and and there are a few more other things like food, when the next food lot will be coming and distributed at from which place and how they will be taking care of their young child and a few things in regards to the educational part, the basic educational part and the beauty of becoming off-grid and not bandwidth-centric. We are also talking with them to be able to push out the video broadcasting messages. So if there is a video clip, you know, the multiple lines of text is is worse than a like, you know, five-second video. So we are thinking of you know, broadcasting video through this network, we're still too early, but that is something also we are considering to get it in this 12 months period. By using a traditional technology, if you like, plus blockchain, you're able to connect refugees up to not only members in the camp, but also people outside through buying and selling data. You're also able to provide a kind of information backbone for the camp in terms of announcements, but also, as you said, I suppose, on the video side, education and, and so on and so forth. And then with the currency or the tokens, you're also able to create a marketplace for kind of goods and services within the camp and then beyond. Right. And also, I will add another new use case we just recently discovered was, you know, the, the previously NGOs were giving away some small fund, the money, mostly to the women, because they found the men are the one who doesn't, you know, use the fund for doing good for their families. Mostly women does. Mm. And then they, they sometimes they reduce or they stop giving away cash and they started giving away goods, but they might not need that good. So to solve that problem, we approach, okay, if what if the token become replace the existing fiat completely and, and the token can be used for, so if there is a donation coming up, 
So somebody from New York wants to donate something to Rohingya refugees, they could transact that token or ERC-20 token to the NGO, and NGO can equally distribute amongst the other people within the camp. And that way, the fiat currency would disappear from that. And because it's a digital economy, there is a ledger uh, which ensures the money is being spent on the thing they were supposed to be expended and, and things like that. There is also a possibility of integrating the smart contracts. So like, for example, if you do X work, you will get Y token. So it's completely digital. So the corruption will completely go away within within the NGO and also the refugees. So effectively replacing fiat or kind of native cash currency with, with tokens and getting all of the security benefits and the kind of the accounting benefits of that is, is it's incredible. So, I mean, what, what are the biggest surprises? You've been developing this for, for a number of years. Through the journey, what are the biggest surprises that have happened to you? Oh, well, I would say that there were some blocks. One of that was very major making the connection autonomous. Normally, the way the mobile phone gets connected, uh, there is a you know, traditional way. If you take an example, a Wi-Fi router only uh, acts as a master node or a, a host where everybody gets connected. But unlike this mesh you know, connectivity, we had to discover, okay, anybody can act as a host at the same time as act as a server. And also integrating successfully the blockchain part of it, ID generation, tied up with the traditional IP replacement. So the normal traditional network works based on IP addresses. But ours is designed in a way where it uses Ethereum ID to address other nodes uh, and, and send out the messages. Based on the UNICEF funding, you have your 12-month journey and then obviously the, the journey well beyond that. What does the, the future look like? Because from a business model perspective, this is going to become a, a revenue-generating a revenue generating product in its own right eventually, right? This is a 12-month pilot. And after 12 months, we will get a lot of market feedback, uh, a lot of UI UX requests, and a lot of things we will be fine-tuning in the, in the product. And after which, it will be ready for the rest of the world. So we will be you know, announcing globally in, from various locations to the emerging market saying, hey, hey, newspaper company, or hey, is this content generating company, or hey, is an ad agency. Here is a platform that you can use and reach those 6 billion people and give away distributor advertisement, distribute your content, and then, and that's going to cost you a few tokens. So essentially, the, the, the marketplace and the community that you build not only becomes a place for set, buying and selling data amongst users, but it also becomes a way of transacting in other goods and services. And then, as you said, transacting in user connectivity to major advertisers and, and media. Yes, so what are the milestones that you set yourself in terms of connectivity and how fast do you expect this to grow out? We will be focusing only on 20 hubs at this point. But after the 12-month period, we would, we would not set any limit of number of hubs. It will be worked like a traditional internet system where your packet, you send, you send a request, you send a message, it goes to the destination. That is the milestone we are setting by ourselves. So if I'm sending a message within a city, it should traverse the best, shortest path and reach to the destination and acknowledge me that the message has been sent successfully. And all that within the next 12 months. It's a fascinating story to be able to see and, and to follow. And I think there'll be many of us who are going to be watching it with great interest to see ultimately the marketplace and, and the refugees that, that you really touch every day. So thank you so much for, for inspiring us all.
Yeah, thank you so much as well. And thanks to UNICEF Innovation Fund, through which we are getting a platform. Quite sure that there will be a lot of more uh, conversation down the road and the journey we are expecting could be fascinating. Absolutely. So Aisha, Raki, thank you very, very much. And yeah, really appreciate you making the time today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. I'm Barney Nelson, and thanks for listening to this week's Good Start episode. Next week, there'll be another amazing story about how blockchain is being used for good. And so make sure to join us then. In the meantime, if you'd like to get involved, look us up on thevalueexchange.co slash goodstart or on LinkedIn or Facebook. Thanks and see you next week.